Hello. Welcome to Capital Musings, the official podcast of the United Nations Capital Development Fund. I'm your host, David McHale. This is another episode in a continuing series that we we have and will be producing, specifically on the subject of COVID-19, its impact in the last mile, the least developed countries, and how we as an organization, UNCDF, are fashioning a response and helping our stakeholders and partners uh, in in, in their efforts to stand up a response to the virus. Today, the focus is on digital payments, but what we're really talking about is tackling the question about how can we get finance to flow to those who need it most right now in this critical time, whether it's vulnerable, whether it's vulnerable population segments in the last mile, whether it's healthcare workers, whether it's SMEs. Um, and again, specifically in, in, when talking about the context of least developed countries. This is all of this is particularly relevant because UNCDF will be providing us a webinar specifically on the topic of of digital payments in times of crisis, obviously in reference to COVID-19. And what can NGOs do? What can governments can can do? What can the private sector do? Um, That webinar will be taking place um, on the week of April 16th. We will be uh, marketing that and promoting that uh, when the dates have been finalized. But this podcast is intended to provide an introduction or a primer to what we will be providing on the webinar. And by the way, the webinar will be available um, in its content um, when it's completed. Uh, and, and the webinar will be taking place on April 20th. So thank you. And that is that is the date. So April 20th is the webinar. And uh, you can expect that to be on our platforms and properties once that's completed. Today, I have uh, two fantastic guests who will be uh, leading that webinar that'll be taking, that will be taking place on April 20th. Uh, Jaspreet Singh is leading UNCDF's uh, Innov- Inclusive Innovation Workstream, which is uh, a critical driver of, of UNCDF's Leaving No One Behind in the Digital Era, uh, a strategy that's dedicated entirely to supporting and creating inclusive digital economies. I also have with us Ali Akram. He is our technical lead in Nepal. Um, Another technical specialist, Sabine Mensah, who will not be on this podcast, will be uh, participating and leading on the webinar. She is our regional technical lead for West and Central Africa. So the webinar is going to have an incredibly broad focus. It's going to focus on a lot of different aspects of digital payments. It's going to focus on different regions and 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 how different stakeholders can can provide value and how we can provide value to different stakeholders. But in the meantime, this podcast again will provide an introduction and I am so grateful again to have uh, to have Ali and Jespreet on the show uh, today. So Ali, Jespreet, thank you so much for joining us today. So thank you, thank you. I'd like to just start uh, at, a, at, a, at a brief general level. And, and um, Jespreet, I'm going to start with you. Um, just talking about generally the, 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 the 
just the, the importance of digital payments, particularly in, in, in the current context. Um, there were a couple of data points that our colleague Sabine Mensa had provided to us uh, before um, um, ahead of this call. And she said that we've actually reached a, a global milestone of 1 billion mobile accounts, uh, 469 million mobile accounts in sub-Saharan Africa alone. So clearly, absent COVID-19, um, digital payments have been, um, they, 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 they've expanded, uh, they've been scaled, they're ubiquitous, they've become a leading driver of capital and finance flows on the personal and commercial level. But just at a general, just from a general standpoint, before we get into the, the specifics, um, what how do you see the importance or how would you articulate the importance of digital payments in a COVID-19 world? Uh, thanks, David. Um, you know, the situation where we are in where a lot of countries are under lockdown, people have been asked to maintain social distancing. Uh, you know, a lot of jobs have been lost because of these closed down or lockdowns happening. Uh, we, are, we are seeing how governments across the world have been responding to it by bringing in stimulus packages and by trying to reach out to individuals and household who require cash or support at this point of time, be it in terms of food, be it in terms of medicine, or be it in terms of cash in general to maintain their expenses in life for next coming couple of weeks and months. Digital payments can be a big bridge to basically address or reach out to these individual and households especially those who are living in rural and remote communities away from the urban plan and who requires the support the most actually. Sure. So, and I think that's, you know, how I look at primary, how digital uh, the technology or how the payment uh, instrument in terms of wallet and accounts can be a big bridge in terms of, you know, really creating value uh, to lives of people who need it the most at this point of time. It, it, it's a fascinating point you make, and I would, I, I, I again speaking as the non-thought leader on this call, um, it's an, it, I think, it's a challenge that frankly also uh, bridges the 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 develop the developed market and and the developing market divide because no matter where you are at this point in uh, where no matter where you are, everyone's dealing with a question about how to, how to, how to ensure that capital can continue to flow and how finance can continue to flow. It's, but obviously the criticality of it is that much greater when you're talking about uh, developing markets and LDCs. So thank you for that great place to start. I'd, I'd love to stick with you before we turn to Ali. Um, I think really what is going to be interesting about both this podcast and really the webinar in particular is that it's also going to rely on real case uh, casework experience. Um, COVID is uh, a phenomenon in and of itself. No one would deny that. The only comparisons we've seen are to the Spanish flu of 1918. Having said that, we have seen other um, crises, other disasters, where digital payments were not only relevant, but essential. Um, the two of two that we're going to speak about on this podcast are the Ebola outbreak and, and the earthquake in Nepal. And I'd like to start with, and I'd like to go back to you, um, just before we go to Ali. Um, in terms of Ebola, 
And again, really the fascinating thing about these is about these situations is that when you think about Ebola, we think about it as a public health crisis, but it requires solutions that, that, that extend beyond public health to support those public health solutions. And obviously in the experience that you've seen, mobile digital payments were critical in that regard. So I'd love to just take a step back and hear from you to, to discuss that experience about digital payments in the context of Ebola, because clearly it was, it was quite critical. I believe, uh, Ali, would you like to take up on uh, Ebola? Ali, sorry, yes, Ali, please, go ahead. I apologize, yes. Yeah, no worries, no worries, yeah. So it, it was, David, as you said, it was critical. I will echo what Jaspeet said. Digital is one of the most potent tools for us in responding in such matters of crises. And we saw that during uh, the Ebola crisis last uh, quarter of 2014 into 2015, as Ebola was spreading across the three countries, Guinea, Liberia, and Sierra Leone. And, and to understand a bit about the context, these countries happen to be some of the most least developed in the world, uh, ranking really low in the human development indices. Um, and in such cases of emergencies, payments had to be made out to emergency response workers who were critical. They were the frontline workers uh, fighting the spread, identifying uh, patients and, and putting in responses to ensure it does not spread further. And, and there was no other means practically to get funds and money across to them and compensate them for the for the great work they were doing on behalf of everyone really across the world. Uh, and we're talking about countries where many provinces did not have a single bank branch. So there was no practical infrastructure available and digital really came in. Um, and December 2014 onwards and into uh, 2015, UNCDF was called upon to assist in that effort. We supported UNMI, that was the United Nations Mission for Emergency Ebola Relief. And uh, directly, uh, UNCDF supported in dispersing payments to Ebola response workers across Guinea and uh, Liberia. And within three months, we supported the private sector and the government build up those mechanisms that were delivering response where uh, 50 to 50,000 response workers payments efficiently in those circumstances within three months. So that really speaks to the scalability and the efficiency that Jaspreet was also mentioning earlier. That's, that's, uh, it's a remarkable story. I mean, from, from what I'm gathering, you went in three months, you went from an environment that already had the challenge of not having a traditional uh, banking or payments infrastructure to be to to standing up a system that was able to deploy payments for fifty thousand healthcare workers. That that's, uh, that, I mean, that's it's 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 unbelievable. I, I want to just stick with you before we move to Jaspreet, just to provide a bit more color when you talk about. Uh, the, the solutions that you were standing up, uh, or I guess the aspects of this digital payments infrastructure you were standing up, what's one example of the, um, of just kind of the solutions that you, that you brought online that was able to support uh, a payments, a payment system for healthcare workers? Actually, there were multiple solutions because not yeah. only were we proving the concept we were actually developing it also and bringing in our expertise 
uh, in technical prowess in this area to help the government on the policy side understand how digital could be used, uh, what sort of policy uh, frameworks, even if they did not exist, would they need to allow for the private sector to come in and step up, uh, allowing the telco providers and innovative aggregation models also to come in to ensure liquidity is available. We helped governments create databases so uh, the whole process was transparent. So we worked across the whole ecosystem and the solution chain also. And uh, there was a lot of technical handholding that we provided to all stakeholders from the government to the private sector to those on ground managing cash and ensuring that uh, things work despite all of the challenges on ground. That's, so that's something that we can expand upon during the webinar. Sure, fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, Jaspreet, and apologies for the for my previous error. Um, so Jaspreet, that, that brings me to you and to another um, dr dramatic uh, situation, and that was the Nepal earthquake. Uh, and again, a situation where when we talk about solutions and needs on the ground, uh, I think for those not in the development space, uh, they wouldn't necessarily think about the importance of digital payments, but please share with us uh, that experience. So David, uh, you know, uh, earthquake obviously is a very different situation sure. compared to something like COVID-19, you know, earthquake is sudden, it doesn't tell you, you know, when it's coming and it will not, you will not be able to gauge the impact when it, you know, immediately comes in. It kind of, after a period of time that you're figuring out how things, how things bad or good they are. Uh, and like any humanitarian crisis, a disaster like earthquake, uh, you know, has its own phases in terms of how our response also kind of need to tune to those phases. So the first phase was actually the relief phase where you know, we work engaged with the government and government played a very major role because the relief is the first two days of impact that you have to basically deliver cash or food and things like that in the hands of people. And uh, as part of that effort, uh, the government of Nepal and uh, UN agencies worked together on the existing infrastructure which the government had and which reached out to the last mile in order to deliver cash. And this was done, obviously, primarily through different payment instruments, uh, bank accounts in, in larger, uh, most of the case, because Nepal at that point of time uh, had a very poor infrastructure in terms of last mile access. There was no agent banking or there was less agent banking, I would say, uh, especially in the rural areas. And the impact was very major in the rural areas. So we worked with the government on using the banks to deliver these services during this relief period. Then came the early recovery, when we saw a lot of humanitarian actors who came on the ground, along with the government, you know, working alongside with them to see how further relief measures uh, could be provided to different people, both in urban, semi-urban and rural settings. And these are hilly communities we are talking of where most of this impact was seen. And uh, the usual uh, approach for anyone in the humanitarian circle would be to see how cash can be delivered in the envelope model. So at that point of time, when with coordination of OCHA, which is again a UN agency, which was coordinating this relief measures or the humanitarian missions, uh, we worked with them on structuring or mapping out to begin with, how can different geographies which are impacted can be uh, supported in terms of uh, the cash requirements 
especially using technology as a backbone to deliver that. In that process, we obviously worked with a lot of NGOs and the government to use this mapping to see, you know, to what degree can we really target things on the ground and, you know, what kind of mixed infrastructure responses we need to use. And I'm just kind of highlighting this because, uh, as you said earlier, you know, this COVID-19 is affecting countries from developed to developing NLDCs and there's different level of readiness that each has. So we have to kind of keep that in, in construct, you know, while kind of moving in this direction. Actually, came, so I was sorry. actually going to say that would be a great, I would love to, I, 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 I would actually love for you to unpack that idea a little more because to your point, um, these, the, the LDCs and for that matter, developing markets, it's not a monolith. I mean, each market, all of these are distinct markets with distinct challenges and they come, they require distinct perspectives. So how should that inform um, a digital payments approach in the context of COVID? So, um, you know, I, I think before we actually jump onto digital payments and, you know, because technology is such a big anchor over here, I just want to, you know, kind of put out very clearly up front that uh, you cannot put the cart before the horse, you know, while delivering digital payments. That means the countries needs to assess their own readiness in terms of, uh, and there are like many softer issues, especially in terms of uh, target, how do you basically target the beneficiaries? How do you identify them? How do you onboard them? Uh, how is the liquidity going to be managed? Okay, uh, so people might have a bank account, but if my nearest agent point is not working, or is under lockdown, or they don't have a cash supply, right, then irrespective of, you know, my receiving money in my bank account, or in a wallet, I can still not go and cash out anything, right? Or there's no infrastructure for using that money in my vicinity. So a lot of these factors actually have to be played around together. And, uh, I, and you know, that's, you know, where the importance of thinking through the process becomes all the more important in terms of that bank accounts and wallets are just not sufficient on its own. You need to look at the considerations like, like how do you avoid duplication? How do you avoid uh, liquidity issues? How would you avoid the issue around last mile delivery of cash itself, uh, especially through different channel points? How would you look at the digital IDs in this context? There are countries, especially our LDCs, which might not have digital ID infrastructure at all. Then how do they deal with this issue around deduplication and identifying the right beneficiaries? You know. So these are some of the constraints that has to be clearly thought out. And then comes the issues also around uh, how do you incentivize the private sector to play a major role in this? Uh, what kind of structures could they follow? You know, what incentives can government and the humanitarians can offer, you know, which will basically shape the infrastructure development by the private sector for more long term and not just looking at it as, as a short term outcome. So these are the, some of the issues, you know, which actually became become important and needs to be looked in terms of the readiness of both digital and financial uh, while building the case for how the markets, either developing or LDCs, needs to move in the space. And going back to the example of Nepal, when we move from early recovery to medium and long-term recovery, these were the exact challenges that we were trying to solve. How do we you know, learn from the earlier lessons, not only from Nepal, but from all other markets globally. And, you know, basically ensure that whatever we are building towards it is not only seamless and uh, provide a quick uh, winability in terms of delivering of support, but also creates the foundation for building the long-term infrastructure, which could then be used time again 
not only to address disasters like these but in general to you know better the foundations of how payments infrastructure can work in a country level i i i just think it's such a powerful point you've made uh, that that any strategy should look to not only address the immediate crisis as as tremendous as it is, but to ensure a long term sustainability. I, I think that's a, that's that's critical, and, and I, pre- I appreciate you for making the point. Ali, did you want to chime in here? Yes, I did. I w- I wanted to reinforce what Jaspreet was saying. In times like these, digital at times does uh is thought of as a magic one that can come and solve everything which uh could be correct but it, it has to be tied into the realities on ground and that's what we also that was our approach also during the Ebola crisis where we really started off with the mapping and an understanding of what the situation across three countries looks like and our response and our technical support also uh was tailored accordingly, where in Guinea, uh, we helped actually make a lot of payments to the response workers. We did not make a single payments ourselves in Sierra Leone, but our support more so was to the government in creating a database that would allow them to take the lead on that since they had some mechanisms available. So uh, jumping in with a one-size-fits-all solution at times we, we saw that across uh, from our Ebola experience also, uh, the nimbleness that's required uh, and getting the right technology and having the right focus on the right, right problem is also uh, very critical in, in times of such emergencies. Uh, no, I, I and and I th- thank you for that, and I think it's it's worth noting here that the webinar, uh, a, a substantial portion of the webinar, is going to be dedicated to looking at the readiness uh, of markets, and also will offer discuss the prerequisites of a checklist, frankly, of how those markets can fast track payments uh, to vulnerable populations. So that's going to be that's going to be a big part of that web uh, the webinar. It's taking place on April twentieth. Um, this has been a, a fantastic conversation, and I think it will both stand on its own as a resource and also, again, provide um, provide really a, an important uh, an important basis of introduction for what will be a really important seminar. Again, taking place on April twentieth, um, and, and providing important guidance uh, in an imp- in in a, in a time when a lot of stakeholders are looking for answers. Uh, Jaspreet Singh, Ali Akram, thank you so much for your time and stay safe. Thanks, David. You too, David. Thanks. Thank you.